0: Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy written in this scroll. Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, go to plainfieldchristian.com. Enjoy today's podcast. I'm so glad to have you with us to worship and to uh, continue this journey together to uh, be more Christ-like all the time. I trust you are enjoying the journey, even with all the, the uh, challenges that come with it. It's challenging you to live the life of following Jesus, but I trust you're rising above and letting Him shape you. Somebody asked me this morning if I was going to preach a Thanksgiving sermon. I said, well, not really. However, it is true that the first recipients of Revelation lived in what we know as Turkey. So that's my segue in my Thanksgiving sermon. That's as far as I can go. You know, the, the book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible that promise you, promises you blessing simply for reading the Bible, hearing it, and keeping it. It is a rich promise to us. Clear back in chapter 1, verse 3, when we began this seven-week series on the blessings of Revelation, we read and studied, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written. Could we have it up there, please, the Scripture? I want them to see it and hear it. There we go. Blessed are the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it, take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Now, those first recipients of the letter uh, were basically illiterate, most of them. So what they knew was they were dependent on hearing it read. But let me say, it is not sufficient for us today to simply sit in church and listen to Scripture and be done with it. It has to be invading, infiltrating all parts of our being, who we are. There's the the reading of it, there's the hearing of it, and there is the taking to heart what it says. Ears, head, heart, all together. Now, sadly... When people approach Revelation, if they will, many people are frightened by it, and it's not intended to be a frightening book, neither is it to be a book that uh, confuses us. Revelation is not a puzzle to solve, but it is a word to be obeyed. Now, by now, you have learned that blessedness, Seven weeks, we're talking about blessedness. Blessedness is more than happiness. It is contentment. It is a sense of fulfillment. It is a sense that all is well. It, it, blessedness is, a, is a, an atmosphere of life in which we live above our circumstances. We do not let the conditions of our life take us under because we know we've been favored by God. And because we know we've been favored by God, how can we let circumstances speak more loudly to us than the promises of God in the Scripture? So it it, it lifts us above. Now, then, we, we, when we come to the last chapter that we're in today and next week, verse seven this week in ch- chapter twenty-two says, "Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy of the prophecy written in this scroll." Now that word there keeps is really the same sort of understanding as take to heart of chapter 1, verse 3. Verse 1, 3, take it to heart. Here it says keep. So it's emphasizing that we do something with this word, that we take it to heart, that we protect it, that we, we obey it, we love what it says. A few verses later, verses 18, 19, it says this. Jesus says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the scroll." If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are described in the scroll. Now, that's a stern warning. Now, remember the church is under threats. This is a letter given, first of all, to those seven churches of what we know today as Turkey, uh, Asia Minor called in that area. It's the Roman Empire. And you remember there are five major threats uh, that, that the church is dealing with. The first one is persecution. They're being imprisoned. They are losing their jobs. They can't be a part of the guild. So economically they are suffering. There's religious pluralism. There's lots of different kinds of religion going on. You could have any religion you want. No big deal. As long as you're willing to say Christ, or that Caesar is Lord. And of course, Christians weren't willing to do that. And that's what led to the persecution. Domitian is the, is the ruthless emperor of Rome right now. He is determined to snuff out Christianity. The third threat, threat are false teachers. Just, there's this growing, or at least the seeds, of false theology rising up where all matter is evil, all flesh is evil, all spirit is good which led to all kinds of an abuse of living life. And of course, theologically, the problem they got into, if God became flesh, well, what do you do with Jesus? Well, Jesus couldn't have been in the flesh. And then there was a distortion of who Jesus is that grew out of that. The fourth threat was just religious attacks, not only by the the Roman Empire, but also by Jews. Now, the Jewish people, one of their... Their reasons for being chosen by God was to bring the Messiah into the world, which is what they did, but they rejected the Messiah by and large. And so twice in Revelation, they are referred to as the synagogue of Satan because they would not believe the prophets and see that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of what the prophets said. And the fifth, the fifth threat, of course, is just temptation. The two big ones were idolatry and uh, sexual immorality. And the, 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 Jesus speaks of that throughout the book of Revelation in his, in his, in his uh, words to John that we have preserved today. Now, when you look at those threats, every one of them, we have this persecution, we have religious pluralism, false teachers, a religious, uh, uh, religious attacks, and temptation. Not much has changed. You look at our culture today, we're still dealing with the same things. We're still concerned with our children because what they're being exposed to and and what is happening. And there's a growing persecution in our country against people who believe. Uh, There's this idea that as long as you're sincere in what you believe, it doesn't matter who your God is, even if you have one or not, it doesn't really matter. There's always been the threat of false teachers. There there are religious attacks always against people of truth and, of course, the temptations we know all about. So things haven't changed. We're still fighting threats. So be attentive to what Jesus is saying. He first, Jesus gives John two directives. And the first one is, tell them how blessed they are. Tell them how blessed they are. So we have these seven blessings in Revelation uh, that, that are really all about Jesus. Blessed are those who hear, obey these words from Jesus. Blessed are those who die in Jesus Blessed are those who stay awake until Jesus comes back again. Blessed are those who have responded to his invitation and get to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed is the one who... who has their, their robes washed clean because of the blood of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what Revelation. So these, these two comments about the word of God in 1-3 and in 22-7 serve as sort of bookends. Um, and everything in between is really a beautiful vision of who Jesus is, his supremacy, his reign, and that he is coming back to take us home and it will be worth it to obey his word and uh, walk with him all the days of our lives. Now, the second thing he says is tell them not to mess with what I've said. Don't mess with what I've said. He said, anybody who adds to what I've said, um, beware of plagues. Now, I don't know what those plagues are necessarily. I just know I've seen God work in ways and plagues in the Bible, and I don't want any of them. So I want to be careful about adding He also warns against subtracting from the word. Because if you subtract from the word, he said, you're not going to be able to eat of the tree of life, which which means we're not going to be in eternity. If we rob God, we have to take words out of his mouth. Because that's what we do. If we don't pay attention to his word and we distort the word. Now, specifically, I think he's, in context, I think he's talking about the scroll revelation. But certainly, it can be applied across the pages of Scripture. For instance, God says uh, through Moses in Deuteronomy 4, don't add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he'll rebuke you and prove you a liar. So it's imperative that we respond to the scripture in a way that befits its origin, its author, and the level to which we say we value it for life and for leading a life of that, that is a healthy relationship with Jesus. So three things. First of all, obey the word by submitting to it. Obey the word by submitting to it. Now, when you first hear that, it sounds pretty redundant, aren't obedience and submission, aren't they synonymous? No, they're not. It's not the same thing uh, because we have to be aware of academics. It's easy to approach the scripture in an academic way and just feel good that you understand more. But if, it, but if transformation of the heart doesn't change, it's only been academics. It hasn't been what God has intended for, for, uh, for changing our hearts and, and creating in us uh, a, a, a picture of Jesus for the world. It's like that joke of the little boy who 10 times is told, sit down, sit down. And he doesn't. The 10th time he finally does and he mumbles, I may be sitting down on the inside, but I'm standing, I'm sta- I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Have you ever obeyed like that? That I'll do it because you say it, but I'm not really into this obedience stuff. That's not submission. And there may be some reward for obeying, but what he wants is this desire to obey. So what's your relationship with the Word of God like today? That's why I want to ask you, what, what is it like? You see, there are some people who have the Bible under them, that they see the Bible as, a historic, as historic literature. In fact, you can get your masters in the Bible as literature and never really engage it as something that you need for life uh, to guide and to shape you. There are lots of people who see it more like an Aesop's fable that, um, you know, it's, it's there. You know, several years ago, I challenged a woman who wasn't a believer, just to sit down and read the gospel of John in one sitting, uh, just, just to, to sense the story, the, the message, the life of Jesus. So a couple of weeks later, I asked, what do you think? And she said, repetitive folklore. Now, I don't know why that's how she saw the gospel of John. When I asked other people to read the gospel of John and they emerged saying, I, this is changing my life. I don't know what that is, but I do know this. Until a person wants to understand Jesus and know Jesus, nothing they read is ever going to change them. You have to want to. And once you want to get to him, God has given us the tools we need to get there. Some live with the Bible then under them. Some people live with the Bible near them. That is that they respect the Bible, They see it as good for society. They see it good for culture. Uh, They see that it needs to be respected as a a sort of world, because as the world acceptance, it's still the, the most widely read book bought in the world. So there is reason to respect it for that. Several years ago, a number of years ago, a man attended here for years. Every week he was faithful, brought his daughters and we would meet from time to time. And uh, finally, I asked him, you know, and he had told me, you know, I'm never going to become a Christian. And I said, why, why is it that you come? Why, why are you here? Well, I just think it's good for you. You know, it's, it's, it's good for my girls. It gives, you a good, gives them a good moral base. And it's interesting stories. And so I, 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 I like it for that reason, you know. And so the Bible was, was near him but it, not in the right position. There are some people who have the, peop- some people have the Bible beside them. And their relationship is that they want to debate the Bible. They like to negotiate with God. They like to somehow get to a place where I, if I can just, you know, you know, culturally, it's just not going to work. I've got to be realistic you know, that's just not how we do culture anymore. It's not, it does, I mean, it's strange teaching. And so, yes, I will, I will build my life the way I want to. Yes, I will live with my girlfriend. Yes, I, I, I will get drunk because that's just what we do at our parties and whatever. You just, you just name it, whatever it is. And so there's always this negotiating with God. and Sometimes the Bible wins and sometimes the person wins. Um... The first well-known popular tamperer with, and by the way, as an aside, I wish we had time to just go in. Well, how do we know? This, this is a library. It's got 66 books in it. 39 make up the Old Testament, 27 make up the New Testament. How do we even know uh, that this is? Well, that's a study all by itself, and we don't have time to get into that, but uh, the, the Bible has gone through, every book's gone through all kinds of tests to be sure that this is a message from the Lord. There's a way that God brought those together, those books together providentially. That is a great study all by itself and, and, and can be trusted to be the word of God. So Marcion was a guy who died in 160 AD, but he was the first real true critic of what was happening. He was not aligning himself with what other people doing. He landed with a Bible that had only the gospel of Luke and nine or tenor of Paul's letters. That's it. No, it's because he just didn't agree with well, what, what something was read, something was written in another one of the New Testament books. And so he was seen as a heretic because of that. Um, and, and I'd like to say, and I'm so grateful, you know, that, that that's not me until I think about it. And then I read something in the New Testament that says, give as you have prospered well, God, won't you just say, tell me to tithe and I can figure that one out and I might try to negotiate that one away. But then in the New Testament, the principle is not tithe, it's give as you prospered. And I think, yeah, I do that, maybe. And then I pray and I wrestle and I think and I realize all that I have and, I, and I, I look at my retirement accounts, and I look at I look at my Social Security that's coming. I look at I look at uh, what I have and what I own, the cars I drive, and have I really given as I prospered yet? I still haven't. I still haven't gotten there after all these years. And but, but but then it says, "Don't grumble," and I don't grumble until you don't agree with me. And boy, I'll grumble at you. Or if I don't to your face, I sure will under my breath when I'm home and to my wife. You know? You know, it, it, it says all kinds of things to me. Things that, that, that are hard to obey. So somehow we have to realize the word is saying, look, if, if you belong to me, if you say you love me, live this way. This is the life I've called you to. I know what's best for you, whether you know it or not. And so together we learn to live under the Bible. The Bible is over us. Not as something to be worshiped, not as an idol, but as God's love letter to us. He's crazy about you. He says, your life will work best if you keep in step with the truth that I put in your hands. And so, um, is surrender tough? Well, of course it's tough for us. But we're healthiest when we submit to it. Second, obey the word by stewarding it. Now, if you're a teacher, don't correct me. I know that's not a verb, but it is right now. Uh, it's unlikely that we're going to go home and we're going to deconstruct what we have and we're going to make up our own gospel and bury it and dig it up and pretend that this is a word from the Lord. We're not going to do that. But our lifelong journey as disciples, we're going to be tempted to misinterpret Scripture or misapply Scripture. It doesn't mean we don't love the Word and value the Word. I'm not suggesting when we do that that it's not over us. But I've seen a lot of people have the word above us. They're under the word. They're doing their best to submit to it, but they still mishandle it and misinterpret. I've been guilty of that at times. And I've had to keep being a student of the word and keep growing and keep learning. And I've had to ask you as a church to forgive me because those of you who have been here, the 35 years I've been here, I've had to go back. So you won't say, yeah, but you said... Well, I had to learn as I grew that I didn't handle that part right. I didn't deal with that right. So 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, one who correctly or accurately handles the word of truth. Now, it's easy to mishandle scripture. It's easy to just... Grab something I just want to read. And there, there is blessing just in reading it if you don't understand it. There is blessing. Maybe you say, well, I'm not gonna read the Bible. I just don't get it. Well, read anyway. God already said there is blessing in reading it. There's blessing in hearing it. And there is blessing in obeying it. So even if you don't understand it, read it anyway. There's unusual strength that comes. And every now and then, you're gonna hit something you do get because you're bright enough to. You see, if, if, we, if we over-speak the scripture, we, we border on legalism. That's what the Pharisees were guilty of. They took the law of God, they overextended it, adding their oral traditions, making the law, the word of God, a burden to the people, and Jesus called them out on it, and they killed him because he did that. On the other hand, if we underspeak the speaker, uh, the, 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 the scripture, we're gonna li- that leads us to liberalism, where we start engaging all kinds of fanciful ideas that are not rooted here in, in God's truth. And that is a problem. And that's why we have to be great, great stewards of it. Well, you say, Well, I'm not very smart. Well, you can get smarter. You know, we we live in a time, there's so many great tools for us to correctly handle. Does that mean anything you read is a help? You can believe it? No. My favorite authors, I have to read with a sieve because there's some things about them I can't align with. You know, I'm, I there, there there's a lot of teaching out there that you know, I, like I I love this author and I read him. I buy every book he writes, but I have to remember his point of view, his frame of reference theologically. And when I do that, I can throw that out. I don't. But but this part, wow, he affects my life so much. And so we have these tools. The best thing you do now, shamelessly, Luke pushed equip you last week. I'm going to do the same thing. We have our first graduates now of equip you. And we're going to celebrate with them. And is, is it time-consuming? Yes. It'll cost you four to six hours a week. Is it hard reading sometimes? Yes, it is. But it will be worth it to you. And the first semester, one of the, one of the uh, uh, sections deals with properly handling the word of truth. How do you understand scripture? What are the tools, the basic tools in your toolbox you need to make sure that you're asking the right questions and understanding the text? So you can understand the scripture, but you have to, you have to want to, you have to want to. And third, obey the word by refusing any substitution for scripture. We are inundated, you know, with messages from all directions. I'm even in the, even in the realm of Christianity, I'm so thankful that we have all these resources. Billy and I were talking this week about this plethora of books and commentaries and devotional guides and you version on your smartphone and all kinds of things to help us in life. They are great. You know, I, I, I so value. I mean, Luke and I, you've heard us, you know, probably the most quoted author for us is C.S. Lewis. I love everything he writes. Now I love Tim Keller. You know, I love Eugene Peterson. But if I, you may love Max Lucado or Beth Moore. But if you love those authors more than you love scripture, you're in trouble. And that's hard to learn in in our growth process. There's a man who grew grew up in one denomination and they were taught always to say, if they saw a great quote by somebody, um, they would ask the question, where stands it written? Where stands it written? And that would be the test for them on, is this something that God would align with? Or is this something man has said that sounds like God but isn't quite? And so we always have to ask where stands that written? Make sure it's a tr- take advantage of all the tools and resources, take advantage of them, but always with a mind that is prepared to correctly handle the word of truth. Kamal is a man who so loves the scripture. He's a preacher in Central Asia. In his country, 12 years ago, they made it illegal for anyone to own more than one Christian book. You could be arrested, fined, a year's wages, and put in prison for three years. Kamal had uh, one of the largest private Christian libraries of anyone in his country. And one day, the authorities came to his. He had a wall around his house, where most residents did for protection, and a gate. And the authorities were there, and he knew why they were there. He had a barrel in the garage, and he took all of his Christian commentaries, study books, all the he dumped them in the barrel and lit them on fire. He just held on to his his Bible, and he shook that barrel. In fact, he said, and his hands were t- terribly burned because he was speeding up the burning process. And finally, the authorities did break through. They scaled the walls. They broke into his home. By that time, the evidence was burned and he escaped being arrested. Imagine living in a a country like that. Elena was a student of mine from another Central Asian country. And I remember her telling about her church. They met... Underground in privacy and secrecy. They would meet together on the Lord's Day and come together before dawn while it was still dark, so not to arouse suspicion. And they would stay together until evening when it was dark and go back home, hoping. And somebody would stand at the window and watch just in case authorities would suspect they were meeting. They had one Bible among them. And so they tore tore the books apart. If, If they didn't have a whole Bible, they took pages. And they shared the pages in their group, and they took them home for a week to devour them, and then brought them home, brought them back, and traded pages or, or books. One Bible. Imagine that. I'm so humbled when I hear stories about that. You know, maybe today. I mean, you know, you don't love God's word like you should. You're not, you're not valuing it. Tell God. He already knows it. You know, maybe you don't thirst after the word. Okay? Confess that. Maybe, maybe the only feeding you get is right here on a Sunday morning and you know that that shouldn't be, but you just can't get into it. Confess it before the Lord. That's the first thing you need to do and repent of that. And just tell God, God, look, I wanna love your word, I just don't yet. And I jump into my day and I don't even consider what your word may have for me that day. Please forgive me and creating me a thirst. You know that old scripture that says, you know, train up a child in the way he should go and he's old, he won't depart from it. That's not a promise, it's a general principle. But that word, train up a child, the, the midwives would take a little bit of honey if the baby had a hard time nursing and, and, and put it, the honey on the roof of the mouth to create uh, the, the sucking instinct. And that's sort of what we have to do with ourselves. We have to, somehow we have to develop a taste. You know, why is it that some people in the world eat raw fish? I don't get it. I don't get it that some people don't like what I like, but what happens over time, I've learned that you develop a taste for something, don't you? The same is true in the word of God. You football fans know Emmitt Smith holds the record for most rushing yards in the NFL. 11 seasons rushing over 100 yards. And when he was a high school freshman, he said that he was always fumbling the ball. And his coach yelled in his face, at Smith! You will never be a great running back until you learn to hold on to the ball. And if you don't hold on to the ball, you're not going to be on this team. And that's all he needed. And that's what we need to hear from the word today, from the Lord. Ezekiel the prophet was commanded to literally devour the word of God, the prophecy of the Lord, as a symbol to take seriously the message of God. So God is saying to us today through revelation, hold on tightly to my word. Love it, value it because of who it came from and what it does to transform us. Blessed is the one, Jesus said, who keeps the word of this prophecy that's written in the scroll. Let's pray. Father, before I I pray on behalf of this congregation, I, I pray for me, I stand embarrassed before you, Father, that I I haven't committed to memory any more scripture than I have. I am embarrassed, Father, that I think of sermons past. Where I, I mishandled, I, I didn't properly interpret what you, you were really trying to say. It only took time later and further study to understand it more more perfectly. Forgive me for leading anybody astray in the Word. Forgive me uh, for not myself, even loving your Word deeply enough. And on behalf of this great congregation, Father, I I so pray that we will grow in our love for the Scriptures, that we will feed on them, we'll let them fill our hearts and our minds with your words and your heart because in knowing your word we get to know you and we get to know your son Jesus and we engage with your Holy Spirit who divinely led 40 different men to author these words by his presence in their lives. Thank you for that. What a mystery and what a challenge, what a gift. I pray for Kamal today and Elena the believers in their muslim dominated countries that they will be given everything they need through scripture for life and godliness so thank you for truth and we recommit ourselves today to the cherishing and the obeying of it through christ i pray Amen. thank you for listening to the podcast today It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love and our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.